0: What's going on, everybody? It's Nigel Marcellus. Welcome to the Nigel Marcellus interview series. Um, I want to say, like, before we even get started, I wanted to shout out all the listeners, all the people who've been, like, tapping in with me. You know, as I go, my dream is to become a talk show host. And, you know, on the road of becoming a talk show host, there's a lot of bumps. You know, I'm learning as I'm going. I'm learning how to have better conversations with people, how to listen, um, and how to, like, really just step into my purpose. And a lot of people been sending a lot of great feedback. So I just want to say thank y'all for listening. Thank y'all for rocking with me. I love y'all to death. And, you know, I'm getting better like a fine wine. I'm just getting better with time. So thank y'all for listening. Um, today, I have a really, really special guest. She goes by Natasha Hellway, AKA Tosh. Tosh is somebody who I was introduced to her work really on Instagram. As all of my friends know, I post quotes on my Instagram. A lot of times y'all get mad at me because you feel like I'm taking shots at y'all. I promise you I'm not. People just, yo, they just be preaching. They be preaching that word and it be attacking y'all. It's not my fault. This is one person who you could blame for all the attacks to your life. But it's also trying to help you become a better version of yourself. So Tosh, appreciate you for stepping in and uh, being a part of this.
1: Thank you. I'm glad to be here. I'm excited to see what we get into.
0: Most definitely. So for those who don't know, how would you describe yourself and, like, the work that you do?
1: Mm, okay, so titles. <laughs> um, for a long time, I was going by, like, the quintessential coach, life coach, mentor, etc. cetera. And then as I um, continued to work with people, I wanted to be really conscious and specific about what my title was going to be. Um, and when I looked at the work I was doing, I recognized that I was guiding people more so and facilitating more so than being a coach per se. I mm-hmm. think a lot of times, with um, when you hear of a coach, you think of like a motivational speaker, someone who's gonna like amp you up and all of that. Um, but I, I am, I'm a deep thinker when I want to be. I ask a lot of introspective questions when it comes to my clients. Um, and so what I recognized was that I was guiding women to get to a deeper understanding of self. And so I refer to myself as a self-work facilitator or introspective coach, um, dependent on the scenario and, you know, the the room I'm going to be in or the place I'm going to speak at. Um, I also do a bit of writing, as you said. So I drop a lot of quote unquote memes and yes, I'll drag people sometimes sometimes <laughs> lovingly. Like they're they're loving sure. drags. And um yeah, those would probably be the two biggest titles. I find that I'm leaning now because I think the beauty of uh entrepreneurship and Instagram and all that is you get to choose who you want to be. Mm-hmm. So I feel like I'm leaning now more My future vision is to really lean into that thought leader type of moniker. Um, I've hesitated when I started my brand. I stayed sort of behind the scenes. Mm
2: -hmm. I was actually
1: anonymous for like the first 10 years of my brand. Um, I wasn't trying to make it for all women. So I thought if I put my face that it was going to only black women are going to be attracted to it, which is so crazy because. Like, that's what I, you know, that's what I desire now. But for like the first bit, it was like, oh, I want to be inclusive and for everybody. Um, And then I had to realize, like, God's going to bring you who you need to serve. And um, so then I came out and started to show myself more and Mm -hmm. lean more into the facilitating and coaching and and all of that. But more specifically, I work with Black women through um, unpacking relationships uh, helping them get to deeper sense of self and um, learn to disrupt some patterns that they have going on when it comes to their relationships.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: That's so dope. You first of all, you are dope. You are amazing. Um, I know like your audience is specific black women, but that a lot of your work really does hit a lot of people and like a lot of what people go through, and I think that's really amazing. And the one thing mm-hmm. that I kind of want to like. Talk about real quick off of what you said was just like this idea of when you first started you you started anonymous, right because I think mm-hmm. when you when you start a business, when you are chasing your calling, chasing your dreams, that start period is a very like shaking and scary moment, and I think like as you still continue to learn and as you still continue to define yourself it's all it's a lot of times it's hard to put yourself all the way out there. Right. So I was wondering if you could kind of just like talk more about, kind of like why you started Anonymous, and then like what helped you build that confidence to like put yourself out there. Because I I know even for me, like in the stuff that I'm doing, I'm still trying to learn how to be a lot more confident of like putting myself all the way out there.
1: I feel like you're doing a great job though. Um, So first, I think I'm probably much older than you, (laughs) and so I started. from a place of seeking community when I was in my 20s
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, and I started anonymously because the community I was seeking was other women who'd gone through abuse mm-hmm. so I had gone through quite a bit of dating abuse um, and toxic relationships the for like from 20 to like 25 let's say um, I would probably say all of my 20s but I started my brand when I was like 27 so broke, Broken Heels started at, there was no Instagram these these times. <laughs> there was, therapy was super taboo. Yeah. So like, if I said to someone I was starting therapy, I was looked at sideways or I, you know, like thought of being deemed crazy because that, you know, therapy at that time was just for people who were mentally ill, quote unquote. Um, and so I started a Tumblr page.
2: Oh, Tumblr.
1: I love, Tumblr. It's, I still, it love changed, Tumblr. It
0: changed my life. I life, <laughs> Tumblr,
1: so. I w- right. I feel like all the deep introspective people are on Tumblr. All the <laughs> artsy, the real creatives are on Tumblr still. Right. So, <laughs> so I started Tumblr page, and um, I shared my story and invited women to share it, their stories. So women would just write in to me, and then that um moved into so i'm in toronto so that moved into me raising funds for, for initiatives that were for violence against women mm-hmm. um and then so through all of this i think one because i uh, part of me was fearful um as you said i was still hiding i knew i was sharing my story but i wasn't i didn't do like name dropping or any of that but um the truth is is when i looked around at my circle of friends um they were supportive and loving and caring, but couldn't understand the experience. And so when I started Broken Heels, it was to bring together more women who could understand the experience. And so we could work with each other through how not to be in these scenarios again. I ended up in one more relationship that wasn't violent, but was emotionally draining and confusing. And if we were to label it, uh, the label given would be to deem him a narcissist. Um, although I'm funny with stuff like that I also think people are too loose with words these days so um, yeah I maybe would label him that but through that experience it was a weird one because it's like I was trying to heal and I was building my self-confidence while still kind of being taken down Mm -hmm. Um, so when I left I would say true healing and confidence building and self-awareness really started when that relationship ended um because in that it was like a tug of war it's like I know I know I'm worth more I know I don't deserve this but then I'm staying and I'm tolerating because you keep out of the name of love, quote-unquote so um yeah I spent the next seven eight years after that or no I'm age I'm I'm boosting my age more than I need to I spent the next four or five years after that Getting my life coaching certificate, hosting events for Black people. Um, I had a support group for women, um, but I still didn't quite have the confidence to be a life coach. So I I found that I would keep myself at the same level. I didn't want to appear as an expert in anything because I knew I was still going through my process.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and then, and so this is where I mentioned titles because then when I started you know, I found people were coming to me and they, everybody wanted like a quick plan. Like, you, can you help me start this healing journey? So I did this like 90 day healing plan thing. So it was like, tell me all your shit. (laughs) I would do like a phone call with you. Tell me everything wrong with you. And I will curate books for you. I will uh, find podcasts for you to listen to. I'll direct you to a therapist. So it was like, I was making this actual 90 day plan for them to to work through and so back then I was calling myself a healing consultant (laughs) and that that was what I was doing and that led me so when you talk about confidence I think what's important too is even if you are unsure it's important to get systems and people in place that can help you be sure so um I think first it was faith like I, I remember I very vividly remember the day I prayed and said to God, like I, I think I'm ready. People see something in me that I don't see in myself, mm-hmm. and I'm gonna need you to just, like, do the thing. Like I, that was literally I was like I didn't even know what to ask. I was like, just do the thing. Like remove <laughs> what needs to happen. Remove yeah. the people. Just let me. And so from that point, any fear I had just kind of that was the first thing. It just it just left. Mm-hmm. Um, then the second thing was. I think maybe like six months after that, I met a business coach. And so he has been my mentor for the beginnings of this coaching business. Mm -hmm. Um, And that was really important because he gave like a foolproof system. And I think when you have a system that you can apply um speaking to you know when you mention as a talk show host sometimes you're you know not sure but like leaning onto like sort of like what you see as foundations and systems that other talk show hosts have put in place so similarly like he had a blueprint he had a formula and i spent time working to his blueprint and in doing that that gave me a foundation um and then anything when it comes to actually working with people I I think um, the confident side of me feels that it's a gift. I think I, I, um, I, you know, I've said the word pray a lot. So I do pray over the people that I work with. I ask, you know, to be used to communicate the right things to them, whatever they might need to hear. Um, so in that, in that work directly with people, I don't feel any insecurities around if anything as a business owner i feel more stumbling blocks when it comes to actually building the business than it than when it comes to like doing the work
2: gosh
0: no that makes perfect mm-hmm. sense the one thing that like really like stood out to me is this this almost like thought of like did you ever feel like other people saw something in you or like believed in you more
2: than like you Yeah you? still Seriously, really <laughs>
1: still like still like people will close friends um my partner like people will always say they see something in me that s- still feels like I'm trying to like pull up out of my like gut and it's like not rising I sometimes I started to wonder if that was like you know we you, when people talk about like past life you know I'm going so spiritual ooh, I'm sorry but like you know no, what I'm, I'm with it. it I'm with it Okay, you know, people talk like past lives and stuff and they say when you come into a life, there's like a specific challenge you're supposed to like overcome in that life. Um, I I started, I've just recently started wondering if like the challenge, because the one consistent thing I've seen from within myself, from like my earliest child memory to date is like so much self-doubt. Mm-hmm. So as confident as I can be with doing this thing, mm-hmm. um, getting... In position is where I struggle.
2: Yeah. So, true. yeah,
1: it's the, it's, yeah, that's what it is. It's like, if you're playing baseball, it's like walking up to the plate. is like, once I'm at the plate, I'll do the thing. But like, when getting there
2: yeah. is like,
0: yeah. I, I relate to that so much. You know, it's funny, like, I, I do a lot of different, like, creative things. But I've also always told myself, like, I realize I do better at things when somebody comes with me, right? So it's like mm-hmm. if I have to give a speech in front of three hundred people, mm-hmm. if I'm by myself in the room, it's like, oh my goodness, this is like the craziest thing in the world. But let one friend be in the room or like come with me, and they don't have and you're say, good. They don't have to say anything, and I'm good. And it's like the weirdest kind of like the self doubt by myself versus when I'm around community or around people who I right. love. that is like. There's always this like disconnect between how I feel about myself when I'm around somebody versus when it's just me.
1: but I feel like there's something beautiful about that what that's saying is that you feel safe with your people and in your community. Um, thank you for sharing that because I think I actually for a long time was the opposite. So like mm-hmm. I will naturally go into the room with the 300 people by myself and be better than if the closest person to me is with me because now i'm i'm worried about the judgment and what if they say something or like now my attention's only on that one person versus yeah. the other 300 and that one person's opinion of me surma- amounts to so much more mm. um so i often le- would lean the other way like when there's things that are so important to me i will do it by myself like I will I won't tell nobody or I'll go to the thing by myself um because I just I feel most confident within my like on my own mm-hmm. yeah
2: mm-hmm. what do you think that like comes from- I think that's good.
1: oh parents <laughs> 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 that's where it comes from it comes from like what? what is it um well, my mommy ain't going to listen to this, so mommy issues. <laughs> it comes from growing up in a place where um, there's lots of love and care and affection, but also a lot of, like, there's a right and a wrong way to do things. Mm. And, um, and if I don't follow what they desire of me, then it's wrong. Yeah. And so, and then you're made to be, like, criticized or just really felt like you can't stand on your own.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and that's when I know that I'm like, ex- really struggling with um, when I have to like, check myself is when I take an idea and I start running it by everybody. Like if I run my idea by everybody, it's I know that th- I'm either not executing this thing
2: yeah. or
1: I'm so unsure. And I'm looking for your, somebody's acceptance or approval with it. Um, but if I just do it, maybe I'll share with the per- you know, my boyfriend or who, like one or two people. But I'm doing it. But yeah. if I start being like, like five, six, everybody, I'm calling to have this
2: conversation. No. Yeah, Ooh. yeah, Ooh. yeah you, And it's because cool.
1: I'm worried about. There's something in it. There's something in it that makes me feel insecure or unstable or like worried that I'm gonna fail.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're, you're you're pulling my card on that one because I'm definitely. I, I noticed the same pattern for myself, too. And I, again, like very similar to you, like as far as the way in which I grew up and kind of like the environment I which I grew up,
2: um, I mm-hmm. always,
0: as an only child and as um, really the person who my parents are really, like they were really intentional when they had me, they really wanted to make mm-hmm. sure that I had a better life than them. So there was that like a lot of mm-hmm. pressure to not only like be something for them, but I think also too, as an only child, being able to navigate not having anybody to tell me like what's wrong or what's right or being the person mm-hmm. like i can't look at my little brother little sister and be like yo don't do this you know what i mean so i didn't really see yeah. meaning in the decisions i was making Then it brought a lot of like fear because like okay i just want to be accepted so when i'm talking to like friends or family or i'm meeting people for the first time i always felt this pressure to almost be perfect in order oh my
1: god so I was raised as an only child also. I do have two siblings that are much older than me, my mm-hmm. dad's first like relationship. So like but I wasn't even really aware of them until my teens. And yeah. so my whole upbringing was just me and just me and my parents and everything you're saying it's it's true because it's like there's there's no older sibling to mirror. There's no younger sibling to guide. Um, it's just you and the, whatever your parents tell you, and then you got your friends and they're doing something different and you, maybe you want to lean into what they're doing or maybe you don't, but, um, I definitely, I'm curious if you have with your friends, if they are close to you like family. Cause I, like my friends, like my core girlfriends are, they're like sisters to me
0: in yeah. that sense.
1: And yeah, for me, and I, I feel like that collaboration with them
0: yeah yes and no I, I say yes and no because I think like because of the lack of siblings for me mm-hmm. like I mm-hmm. always approach friendships and relationships from a deeper like I wanted to skip the surface level and not like we had go to be,
2: deep yes had to
0: like I wanted you to be like my my brother my sister and like you were for life I say no because I think because I always approached it that way that I i either tricked myself or I tricked Mm -hmm. other people into thinking like the friendship or relationship was deeper than what it actually was. So like, I would Mm -hmm. notice like if for some people, like we took the time to intentionally build and other Mm -hmm. people like skip steps. And I got to a point where I wanted to be like accepted and I wanted to have like people around me so bad that in Mm -hmm. my mind, I wasn't like aware of the differences. So there's people who probably see me as like, the bestest friend. And in my yeah. mind, how I see them. They're
1: not, they're not, they're not
0: your best friend, right? Yeah, like, you know, my best friend, but okay, okay, you rock out with me, cool. And then there's other people yo. who like, I was like, yo, you're like my brother, like I couldn't imagine my life without you. And then mm-hmm. you fast forward and it's like, where, like, where have you been? Where are you? You know
1: what I mean? I can't tell you the number of people throughout my life who have saw me as their best friend. And I was like, but I don't really fuck with you. <laughs> <laughs> but but like, okay. And then, but the people that I see as like my best, mm-hmm. like they they have like my heart. Like it's where I lean into those those relationships more. And I think too, and maybe this isn't only child thing, but I think we're comfortable with loss to a degree. Like we're or maybe it's two extremes. We're either like we want to hold on to you forever, like you said, that lifetime, or we're okay if people are just cyclical. And so because we're used to spending a lot of time alone. We're used to not sharing. (laughs) We're used to like you know, for the most part our decision making is our own with the as you said that like and what i said is like the approval of at least hoping that it it seems right or looks right to our parents and those are the only people that have mattered Mm. um not siblings not friends not whatever it's just me and whomever whomever my ancestors are and my future descendants um but not there aren't many only children out there and when we build relation with other people who come out of who are siblings, mm-hmm. um, we have to learn how to, like, you know, acclimate and and um be adaptable in those spaces, too. Yeah.
0: And I think, like, to your point, that's where I struggled the most growing up, for sure. Because I think that's mm-hmm. where, like, being fearful, avoiding, or having that, like, disorganized attachment style really came from is, like, mm-hmm. I, I think, like, my parents always provided and they were very loving. But in my mind, like, that's what parents are supposed to do. So like the Mm -hmm. love that they were giving me wasn't the love that I necessarily value in the same way as I would get for from like friends or um, potential partners and different things in that nature. So I think like that extreme of like, you're either going to be here or you're not. I got that, that almost like thing, that mentality. So I always saw people more so as seasonal, like, Okay, you're here now, but you're going to abandon me. Because I've always been abandoned. I've always had that best friend or that friend who I was like, oh, we're going to be in it together. And then like two years later, I don't see you.
1: But do you, do because you, I think abandon is a strong word. Mm. So if you have a, a friend and two years later, you don't see him, do you see it as abandoned? Or as you said, they, it's the season and they've just had to, their season's done.
0: I think now... I come at, I come at it at a better place and see it more seasonal. Mm-hmm. but I think because I didn't have any understanding and there was no like real conversations about like, oh, this person who like you know when you're younger, you just meet
2: people. yeah yeah, this is for love.
0: I think I really like bought into that mentality and I saw it as abandonment and right. you know, some people would function through it as far as like I was the the kid who everybody was cool with and everybody knew, but it wasn't to an extent of like an invitation. So people would got assume it. I would be there, but I never got formally invited there. So it was mm-hmm. kind of like that weird middle place of like, oh yeah, Nigel's just gonna be there. But like Yeah. Yeah. yeah so right in the room, nobody is like, oh yeah, I I told him to come, but he's just gonna be there. Yeah. So I think because of that, I was always waiting for an invitation from people. Got it. I would see them do things, and I'd be like, Oh, you just forgot about me. And then that's where yeah. that I built almost like. That insecurity of like, oh, you don't really care, or oh, this is just here to you know
1: that that just really hit me just as like because I see that translating into entrepreneurship, and you're you're making you, the story you just shared is making me reflect back to like high school, mm-hmm. um, and thinking about so like I'm um, what is what is the language I I, I grew up in the 90s into the early 2000s like Nelly and Shanti <laughs> and that kind of era. So um, there was always house parties, there was always stuff like that. And as you're sharing that story, like nobody invited you, I thought to myself, I was like, yeah, like I would just be told things were happening. But nobody would say like, Tash, are you coming to this? Or like, be here, whatever. And you would just kind of the assumption was you would just be there. And then because I like full transparency like i always say like in my high school years i feel like i was like the biggest follower like i was the leadership was in me Mm -hmm. but i i i wanted to fit in so much that i would just follow so like i would be there of course they are gonna assume i'm gonna be there because
2: because i wanted to be there i wanted to be seen
1: um but then i think about how that translates into entrepreneurship now and how that can affect People who are building their business now, because we're waiting for things to just come to us.
2: Mm. We're
1: waiting to be invited. We're waiting to be asked to be on the podcast. We're waiting to be asked to um, facilitate something, or you know, waiting for somebody to buy something because we put the link. But like, you gotta put yourself out there. Like, you have to go after it um, and let go of the the idea that like this should just come to me. Our ego says that it should come to us.
2: Mm-hmm. It's like
1: the ego. you know, we're young in those times, but those times shape who we are now. And it's like the ego is saying, Well, if I'm not invited, I won't go. Yeah. And you know? Mm-hmm.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. I think that's that's the part of like the unlearning and the, the relearning for myself is like really addressing like those ego points and really trying to heal and mm-hmm. really trying to like almost forgive myself for like having the mentality that I did and like being so hurt and angry, but also giving myself very yeah. understanding, like, yo, you did the best that you can you because you knew what you can do, you know what, you know what I'm saying? So, like, yeah. that's why, like, one thing I really love about, like, the work that you do and just healing is I think there's this always this, like, perception of this, like, social media perception of this, like, this overnight thing, or you know, it's
2: mm-hmm.
0: you heal and you get to this destination and then you're done and you're good. And I think, like, what you really mm-hmm. do is highlight that, like, no, healing is a very up and down, messy. You have good days and bad days. You have days that are not even just good or bad, they just are in this the Yeah, of, uh, And that's the one thing like for you, like I gravitate so much to your work and like stuff that you put out.
1: Thank you. I feel the thing is like there are things that we will heal and move on and um, they won't feel painful or stressful and you'll reconcile. And then it's like the minute you reconcile something, something else <laughs>
2: something else shows up.
1: And it doesn't mean that some dramatic other chaotic moment has to happen.
2: Mm-hmm. But
1: what it what's really happening is your mind and your awareness stretches and you see things more. And so, okay, I've been healing this one thing, working on this one thing. Okay, I understand. All right, I can correct my behavior, I can change my language, whatever. And then, as quickly as you've realized, I've been operating from a negative place because of this thing, or I haven't been communicating the right thing. All that does is like dandelion effect, and and open up all these other things that yeah. you're like, oh shit! But I also don't communicate good here, <laughs> and I also don't communicate good there, and I better check my ego over here, and am I being loving over there? And now it's like it went from one to like ten areas yeah, for that sure. you, you have to work on, or you know, and so that's i love that you said you've got to give yourself grace through that um and that's why it's continuous because especially if you are choosing to relate to other people you're choosing to maintain relationships with your parents if you're if you desire to be in an intimate partnership all of these places are going to show you things that you have to work on Mm -hmm. um and a lot of times people talk about resilience as like getting through this big trauma is huge chaotic thing but there there's like a lot of small bite-sized moments that you have to push through and exercise resilience as well um again through those relationships especially someone pisses you off you have one of two directions to go and mm-hmm. you can go the way you always do and that may not bring you peace and now because of awareness You've discovered a new direction to go. And you're like, do I want to go down that way? And Mm -hmm. so even in those choices, you're exercising resilience.
0: When it it comes to that, do you feel as if the how am I phrasing this? So like something that I've always kind of like learned or learned to believe is this idea of everything is inner and then it goes outward. Right. And I'm wondering, like, how important is being able to trust yourself through that process? Because I think a lot of times that, especially when it comes to like relationships, healing, but friendships, business, sometimes like we put so much into the idea or what we're trying to do or the outcome that I think we forget how important it is almost to like trust ourselves and our ability to Mm -hmm. be there. Because we don't see it in ourselves.
1: Mm. Do you think, I know you asked me a question. <laughs> I was about to hit you with another question. <laughs> but do you think that um, it, that you've got to trust yourself first or know yourself first? Or are they one and the same?
2: Mm.
1: Here's why I'm asking that. Because I think um, I'll speak just about me and how life has done me <laughs> and how I've done life is um we don't know what we don't know so i have two parents they navigate a relationship this a certain way they raise me a certain way i desire relationships i jump into my late teens early 20s wanting to be with a partner with the whole romanticized view of we're gonna just fall in love and get married and have kids and life is just gonna happen and then each of these relationships, I attract people who are violent, who are toxic, um, who their insecurities um are projected as anger.
2: Mm. My
1: insecurities are projected as worry and fear. Um, and so what those relationships show me is that what they teach me anyways is, can I trust? Like, do I actually trust myself to choose the right types of partners
2: Mm.
1: and so i can't just leap into i'm gonna just trust myself and then bank on the next person i choose is gonna then be healthy because i trust myself i have to spend time knowing myself first knowing understanding what led like what about me attracted these people Um, what parts of me are attracted to chaos and intensity or drama or whatever. Um, And then uh, what parts of me want to stay in these scenarios, tolerate them, not set boundaries. All of that, I think, is knowing. And then when I can get to a place of that knowing, then I can rebuild my own trust in self. That's how I see it. That's how my... Now I do think I I I mean I'm curious if there's people who can just like I trust myself, mm. and then and then just move that way, yeah. Because that's what I want. <laughs> that's <laughs> what I want. That's, that's the thing. I just told you my lifelong mission
2: is yeah. really with
1: self doubt. So yeah. if I could just jump into trust, then, but I I have looked at it as if I if my my experiences and patterns. Are demonstrating that I am putting myself in places that are unsafe.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Then, unfortunately, I have to look myself in the mirror and say, "Like, bitch, yeah, I can't trust your decision right now."
2: Mm.
1: So let's spend time building up a criteria, a discernment, uh, all the things, so that you can trust yourself. Mm. Yeah.
0: Okay. I'm not gonna when you first asked me, my answer was gonna be completely different. But then when you explained okay. it, my head looked like the emoji with the like smoke coming out. Like my mind was blown because I think. Okay,
1: like, but tell me your answer. Tell me your answer. I want to know. <laughs>
0: okay. so like I would say, like my my initial answer would have been like, I think you have to trust yourself first.
2: Okay. And my
0: my head. The reason why I was gonna say that is because I feel like knowing yourself. Is such an ongoing process, and I think I was coming from the mentality of like, you know yourself now until you get into a situation that's unfamiliar, mm-hmm. and then you're learning about mm-hmm. yourself in a new situation. Where in that situation, how much do you trust your ability to make the right decision? Mm-hmm. But then I, then as you were talking, I'm, I'm processing, I'm thinking like, damn, if you don't have discernment, or if you feel as if. Like for me, I I don't feel like people attract certain things. I think like you can just be a good person and people are going to come. But what do you maintain or what are you willing to put up with to a certain extent? And I think sometimes that's where, for me, that's where like the trust aspect comes in. It's like how much do you Mm -hmm. trust yourself that this is actually your person or you're Mm -hmm. chasing this idea of love, even though there's billions of other people in the world? why right. so much of this and like what is that aspect of you but i do right. think the point like there is that it almost has to be both right like you have to know yourself right.
1: well that's what i was gonna say i think it's like there's a statement it's like both ends so it can yeah. be both ends yeah yeah
0: because it's definitely not either or because I, I right. definitely need both and it just they all come out in certain points um mm-hmm. so like for you how do you now kind of like navigate relationships full disclosure i can honestly say i have never been in a relationship before in my life Um, okay a lot of situationships so i'm learning (laughs) but i find uh i find that whenever i talk about relationships to a lot of my friends like they gravitate to some of the insight that i give them based on how introspective or how much i pay attention um Mm -hmm. but i'm curious for you as somebody who you, you've said like you've had like toxic relationships and now you have a partner now. Like how have you kind of like navigated all of that?
1: Uh, aloneness first. Mm-hmm. So um, that whole building up knowing and trust
2: mm-hmm. needed
1: to happen. Um, I also needed to spend time getting to know what healthy men looked like. Um, I also needed to spend time in friendship.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And so I met people and navigated just being friends. And then um where I am now, uh well he and I started as friends and it's um there's a lot of like I think we do a lot of reviews and commitments. So um we'll spend time talking we'll go through some deep stuff we'll talk through it um but for me because i've gone through the experiences i've gone through he's had to spend a lot of time helping me re-establish what trust can look like helping me relearn things undo things um and one of the big things that i think I've, i actually had to learn probably the last uh, probably say the last six months is where um, I've had I've been paying more attention to my gaze, like my perception. So like the lens I see things through. Um, I've been lear- studying and learning more about the brain. So like understanding that our brain is meant to protect us and it p- always perceives threat. So if he says or does something that seems similar to like my past, doesn't mean that he is my past. I have to like see him through a different perception and lens, I have to let go of sus- being suspicious. And that and I'd be lying to you if I said that was easy. It's a lot of work. <laughs> it's a lot of work to, to like catch myself
2: yeah. in moments.
1: Yeah. I have to make sure to catch myself. Because that split moment of not catching is where I'm cre- now, I'm now creating chaos. Mm. Yeah. So for
0: mm-hmm. you, right? Like you said at first it kind of like started with being alone. And I think Yeah. A lot of people don't know what that looks like for them? And I think everybody looks different and everybody has to kind of define it for themselves. But for you, how do you kind of like define that intentional time being alone? Because like, is it being alone with your phone? You know what I mean? Is it like Netflix? Is it journaling? Like how did being alone, like what did that look like for you?
1: Um. Okay, so first, uh, it looked like, yeah, all of it. <laughs> it looked like the first thing I was going to say is, um, recognizing at first if I was lonely versus alone. Mm-hmm. There's a difference there. So what does lonely look like? Lonely looks like you're at home, it's a Friday night and you think that you should be around friends or you think you should call some dude so that you've just barely been talking to or whatever. So I was able i can remember i remember one time sitting on my couch and i guess i was in a situation ship as you put it and um i was like oh i should call so-and-so and And then i looked at and i was like no don't call so i just remember (laughs) saying like nah like you sit here and be uncomfortable yeah like i was very intense like be uncomfortable you don't need to know where the person is you don't need to know what they're doing you don't need to invite them over you don't need to spend any time with them you also know that this person is not going anywhere so why are you nurturing this relationship um or situation so those are like the first and again I, I guess we're answering our own knowing versus trusting question because i think um for me those first steps we're taking i was taking was just in knowing myself and um being very intentional about like who do I want around me who do I not want around me um why do I want them around why do I not want them around and what do I need to do um to get to the outcome that I'm desiring mm-hmm. so the uncomfortable feelings that I that I would say came up would be the first one was that loneliness so recognizing all these relationships you have chased and or been in and whatever it was like to feed some level of loneliness um or even codependence is probably also to feed some need to want to save them want to take care of them and so being able to look at myself that way first sit in the discomfort of being lonely find things to do with myself um there's a time too i can think like before living on my own, I, I was out and about everywhere. When I say it was still with it, living with my parents, like every day I wasn't coming home till like two, three in the morning. I was just out. I'd leave work. I'd go spend time at a girlfriend's house. I would be with somebody I was dating or I I would go have a drink somewhere. Like I was just doing the most. And then sometimes I'd even get home at like 11 or 12 and just sit in the driveway in the car because I was unhappy still mm-hmm. being at my parents. Then when I got into my own space, was navigating being in my own space, but then it was all, I live downtown, let everybody come over. Let's all go do things. I'm yeah. going to leave work and still grab a drink. and, da, 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 and I never watched tele- TV. I never watched television. And then I built my business and I threw myself into my business. So it was like all these distractions because I was tying myself worth to work. I was mm-hmm. tying myself worth to friendship. I was tying myself worth to all the things I could give everybody and then and all of that because you don't want to feel lonely like I don't want to feel one emotion (laughs) you know I'm gonna do all these like hundreds of things because I'm trying to escape one emotion and so um, that was probably the first thing and then time spent in aloneness um, looked like sometimes it did look like Netflix sometimes it looked like a lot of reading Sometimes it looks like business building, creativity, mm-hmm. um, community. Um, and then I mentioned, like, I did spend some time just building friendships with people, trying to lose, unlearn. Here's the thing. I, with men, I never see anyone as the villain.
2: Mm. Even
1: the the terrible people. Yeah. Um, or that's not even our language even the people who like did shitty things um my mind doesn't see them yeah i don't see them as like a villain why is that i don't know why is that good question why don't i maybe that's an upbringing thing you know i know if i go deeper it's because i internalize things and this might be an only child thing so i would be more quick to see where I. I love
2: how you point. Oh, <laughs> would be more quick to um, see where oh. I'm at fault than the other person. Yeah, yeah. Even
1: if I project, even if I'm projecting the other person, like why don't you do this? Why don't you do that? It's because inside I feel like I'm fucking up. Yeah. So yeah. I'm fucking up, and this is why we're in this scenario. Yo, yeah, but there's something really egotistical about that too, though. For sure. Do you yeah, take I'm that friends. in, yeah.
0: My friends had to give me a whole intervention. Like, they pulled me aside, right? And they were like, Nigel, we are not going to allow you to take any responsibility for the situation that happened. You did mm-hmm. everything in your power to try to make it work. There is mm-hmm. nothing else you could have done. It is not your... Mm-hmm. Like, they, Like I think you're right. I think it is it's definitely, like, it has to be tied to, like, only child. And the ego.
2: Yeah,
1: because we're the ego. Because we're the... Anything that happens in the home, we're the only child,
2: (laughs) we're the only person. Yeah, yeah, you can't blame me. We absorb it all. You
1: Mm -hmm. just blame us. Exactly. You don't got a sibling to blame. You don't got nobody to blame. It's all on you. And so there's that. So that could be why. Um, But what I knew, as I said, was like, I remember walking into therapy after the physical abuse, and I said, I'm here because I want to know why I'm attracting these types of people. And he, he affirmed that. He was like, I appreciate that you said you are attracting them because there's something in you that's deciding to choose them and to move forward with them or to stay or whatever. So in that aloneness space, I needed to, again, just meet people,
2: mm-hmm. men,
1: because men were where I felt most harm, who could just be brethren, who could just be friends, who had interesting perspectives, who also saw me as just a friend um, or where I could practice boundary setting or whatever. Um, so it was just, it was a lot of self work. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: It's interesting how like for your experience, like men is where you feel most harm. Cause I think mm-hmm. it, it's similar for me and I've always felt a lot safer around and talking to women. But mm-hmm. because I feel so much safer around women this, like, I have this, almost like this egotistical thought of, like, because I feel safer, I don't, and I know how bad men can be, I don't want to hurt you. And because I don't want to hurt you, I don't want to put myself in a situation where I can hurt you. Because, again, to that ego part, I'm the one who's going to hurt you. And I think for me, it's kind of like, almost, it goes back to this, like, idea of, like, control, for me, it's like, yeah. I feel like because yeah. it's me, I can control this. So like, mm-hmm. if you get hurt, it's because of me. And if I hurt mm-hmm. you, then I become the villain. And if I become the villain, I'm like all these other guys. And I think that's kind of the reason why for me, I kind of like, especially when I like somebody a lot, I'm really hesitant. I'm like, uh, should I? No, maybe I yeah. should. But I think it always, it always goes down to just like, I don't want to be the villain in somebody else's story. So it's just interesting to kind of, like, hear your, that, like, a difference. Well,
2: this
1: is, well, this, I, what you're saying is a common sentiment I've heard from other men. Um, it, I think it's also why, like, you know, when people say, like, you're putting me in the same box as someone else. I don't think any man wants to be the villain in anyone's story. I've never, um, the most self-aware men would say that and so they keep them so they keep a distance between them and certain people um but i think what could have? i always say this you don't know what's going to hurt someone
2: mm. you
1: like really don't we we i could say something right now and have zero clue that it might hurt your your feeling um you you do your best so you do your best not to and you try to again try to be intentional but even in you not committing, you may be hurting. Ooh.
0: <laughs> you have to say that. Ooh. <laughs> Ooh. Yeah, no, that's true. That 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 is true. Yeah. Mm.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm. I think again is you looking at what do you want to see for your future, mm. and where is fear preventing that?
0: What do you? So, what do you do to kind of like? Overcome fear.
1: I feel like you took the biggest deep breath. <laughs> <laughs> I
0: did. Because you know, like, when you say, I feel like right now, like, fear, me and my relationship with fear is like the biggest relationship I have right now. Because I, I recognize that everything wow. I want is on the opposite side of fear. Oh
1: and my I, God, you need to tweet
0: that. Okay. Oh, definitely, <laughs> definitely. But I, I really do. Like, I feel like everything I want is on the opposite side of fear. And it's me trying to chip away this mountain and build that courage in my, inside myself to go after what I want. But I think yeah. in, in doing that, it's it's like I'm choosing, right now I'm choosing certain misery because I know what it's like to live in this place of like not doing stuff, right? And yeah, the unfamiliar that can be the abundance and the love and the happiness Because I'm just not familiar of how that is. Like I'm choosing this certain misery, and I'm recognizing that now. So now I'm in this place of like, I'm trying to keep jumping. I'm trying to like talk myself, go overcome that self doubt. But it's it's, yo. No, you
2: just said like,
1: I'm like yo. I like this new generation because everything you just said is stuff that like I feel like my generation is we're just beginning to understand and we're beginning to to learn and there's a lot of people who will not take accountability for that will not allow themselves to um accept that even if you don't take a step forward the fact that you you recognize and accept that yo i'm choosing this misery is your first step and now it's you'll get to a point where you're like all right i can't choose this anymore i can't do this anymore my generation will stay in the misery. Not everybody, of course, not everybody. So that's the overarching sentence. But, like, for the most part, it's there's there tends to be a lack of accountability. Um, and then, even if we know better, we don't always do better.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So, I feel everything you just said, I feel like, yo, I just I'm like, just write it up in a script and give it to me because I'm like, that that is something that it's i'm combating in real time
2: yeah. like right now
1: is like um really observing the, the things the choices and the places i'm stagnant and miserable like actually miserable but not making change in mm-hmm. but i for me it's some self-doubt but i recognize it is more about approval
2: mm-hmm.
1: um for me and Wanting people in my corner, wanting someone to say, I think <laughs> yo, I didn't realize our combo was gonna be so only child, but I think in that um conversation of um when you said how did you put it? Um just that being an only child we rely on ourselves and our parents and all of that.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I think it's just wanting someone to say, like, Tash, you can go do that thing. Go leave. Go move there. Go whatever. And, yeah, there's people close to me saying it. Don't get me wrong. But it's, like, I want specific people to say it. I want, yeah. the spe- I want specific support. Like, whether it's, again, like, needing to cut the mother cord or whatever. Like, I I want to know that I'm doing something and it's not going to harm anybody. It's not going to disappoint anybody. And that it's,
2: yeah.
1: um, it's encouraged. And so that's something like i can speak to i live in toronto i don't love like i'm I'm born and raised here i don't love it all the time Mm -hmm. um i struggle with a lot of seasonal depression when it's winter time and i've known for a few years now that i should leave and, and go to like mexico or anywhere down south but i'm scared my parents are older I'm scared. Like if I pick yeah. up and leave, what, what will that do to their mental state? And it's like, I've created, I've compounded and created all these issues as to why I can't do the thing that will make me happy. So yeah. I'm choosing the misery. And so I, my process right now is to lean into, I'm focusing on faith building. I'm focusing on that trust. Mm-hmm. Um And, I more tangibly, I started doing hypnotherapy um to help with rewiring and to help with that like allowing the ego to die and um I'm checking myself on the moves I make and like what's what's coming from a loving place and what's not yeah,
0: yeah. I, I want you to know like this conversation makes me feel so seen because like <laughs> Everything that you just said, like it, is, it, it has to be this only child thing, right? Because it's like, yeah, everything that you said was like, it's so real. And I think what's funny, or like ironic, or whatever word fits best for this, but like, I recognize, I think like at, at some point we all recognize there's more within us than we mm-hmm. possibly do. Like we know there's something special, or there's some, we feel our call, oh. we feel a purpose. And I think for so, what's frustrating or what has always been frustrating for me now is like for so long, I was waiting for somebody to say yes. Do
2: yes. it. Yes, yeah.
0: Like, like I'm, 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 no matter what you do, like I'm here for you and I'm rooting for you. And And again, it's not, like I've had people say that and I've had friends and it was always affirming, but it was always like certain people Like certain cousins, certain, Mm -hmm. my parents, certain people in my life who I just wanted them to be like, yes. And I believe in you and like, you can do it. Right. When I look back, there's so many things that like, in my mind, I was ahead of my time because it was like, I had the vision for it. I had the plan. Mm -hmm. I knew it was possible, but because I was waiting for that yes, I said, I I didn't do it because nobody gave me that yes. It was more so like, "Uh, Mm -hmm. are you sure? Mm, are you gonna are you sure you're gonna make
1: enough money um how does that well see when we're doing unconventional things so here's the. i love that you said ahead of your time because i feel i've been ahead of my time in a lot of things and i'll just do it but it doesn't i will do things and they don't quite hit until later so i'll do something today and people are like oh that's interesting but then it'll become more mainstream like two or three years later and everybody's doing it but now I've moved on to like another thought process or another type of work. Um, and so what I find when we're unconventional in this way, we're, con- we're creatives, we're leaders, we want to transform, we want to use our voice, whatever. Um, people don't understand that a lot of times. People, even a lot of the things we see on social media with everybody leaning into entrepreneurship or being an influencer, a lot of times their driving force is recognition or money. So I either want fame or money. Um, but when you're approaching it from a standpoint of, no, I like really want to get a message out there. I really want to help this particular community or whatever. Um, it It's harder to get the buy-in of everybody else around you because everybody's like, well, how are you going to make money? How are you going to live? How are you going to do, do, you know, like that doesn't pay the bills, whatever the case is. And so that's where that like real faith building has to come in and trusting. The other thing too, I should have said, well, I, I, I'm considering... When I think about times I've stepped out on fear is I I will just do the thing. So again, it goes back to I don't run it by nobody. Mm-hmm. I just prep it. I just prepare it and do it and see where it goes um and I don't allow anybody a chance to plant a negative seed in my mind as to you know why I shouldn't or couldn't do this thing. yeah, yeah.
0: and I think like where mm-hmm. to everything you said, I think the biggest thing I had to learn from myself is like to forgive myself too. Because I think mm. I would have these ideas, and then I would let somebody plant that fear or that seed of doubt that, granted, I could plant that myself. That's that's easy.
2: Yeah. Like, actually, yeah. I'm
0: already doing that for one. Yeah, Like, we you have somebody yeah. else, like, add on to that. Then I would stop. And then you fast forward those two or three years, and I'm seeing somebody doing exactly the things that I say I wanted to do, or like, they opened up a path, or they do a lane. In the back of my mind, I'm, like, beating myself up. Like, man, why not just believe in myself?
2: Right. Exactly. I, mean, I think,
0: like, that, that forgiveness is, like, the biggest aspect. And, like, forgiveness in a sense of, like, the total grace that comes with it. Like, again, you did the best that you can. It was okay. It wasn't your time. Like, you know better now. Now what do you do with it? And I think that's, yeah. like, the place I am now. But for sure, like, I think fear And overcoming fear, especially in this chapter of my life, has been, like, the biggest challenge for myself.
1: Right. Right. Uh, Would that, does that fear show up more in your career, in your love, in your, where would you say that fear shows up the most?
0: I would say, like, in myself. And then everything else is, like, rooted from that. Because I think, like, when it comes to my career, like, I'm in school and I'm in a PhD program. And I have one year left. But I think to myself, like, if I bet on myself earlier, I would have mm-hmm. never gotten into this PhD program. So, like, I'm trying right. to balance PhD, which I don't necessarily enjoy. And I don't feel like there's a need until I get the actual PhD in the title that can open up. Yeah. But the process of getting it almost feels like a waste of time because I'm not learning things that can actually help. Right. 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 So now I'm like doing this and I'm balancing my creative and trying to mm. open up this lane. But then I'm not even gonna lie, even like emailing somebody like you, who like now mm-hmm. it's like, why was I so scared? But like even building up the, yeah. coverage, like hit send just to send it to you, just to be like, yo, can I get an opportunity?
2: Because It's
0: yeah. be like who, I don't know, you kind of like, you see what other people are doing in that comparison. And you're like, oh, yeah,
1: it's that comparison.
0: And you look at mm-hmm. my face, damn, I only got what, 2,000 followers? Oh, man. You know what I mean? Like different yeah. stuff like that. So I think like that's the fear. I think because i've been by myself for so long and that for a lot of times when i've tried to make relationships work they just never worked. that there's almost this fear of like and there's always been this you know what i'm gonna change my whole answer yes because <laughs> i think this like the core and i, I knew this from like going to therapy it's just like i've always dealt with unworthiness and feeling like mm. i was right so yeah it, that has puts me in a position where i have to almost Prove to myself Truth. that I'm worthy brings fear. So like, it. where it's like, oh man, can I do this talk show host? Man, can I be a loving partner? Can I be a good speaker? Can I be a good friend? Like anything that puts me in a position that like challenges how good I am. Right. Some type of fear.
1: It's interesting because yeah, we differ in that way. Because again, I'll bet ba- I will always bank on myself. Hmm. And so, but when I got to be put in a position for someone else to deem me worthy, that's where my fear comes in. Like I screwed up my driving test when I was young because someone was watching me, Mm. you know, like I get nervous, like, don't look at me. I don't want to be seen. Um, Similar, like I said, like if I got, if I had to do that public speaking at 300 people, I wouldn't want my friends or family in the room because that would feel like added pressure. Would they criticize me? Would they say that I wasn't good at it? Yeah. Um, the, I don't care about the 300 strangers I care about the one or two people I care about um, so I, I I'm the opposite where like when it, it comes to me and myself and what I gotta do I will shoot my shot and I might be a little cocky with it too thinking like I should get this yeah. <laughs> but when it comes to like somebody else saying like, like going for a job interview I hate job interviews <laughs> I hate job interviews because yeah. It's like, I got to rely on your perception of me and mm. what you think I might be capable of in case I stumble on my words in this interview. And so, yeah. What I just
2: thought, so speaking,
0: I feel like where we definitely defer is I think growing up, I almost like turned into like this rebel or like this outcast. Yeah. So it was more yeah. so like, if I go into that room of 300, like I don't give a fuck about what none of y'all think. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, so that was yeah. Like, or even a job interview, when I go on job interviews, I'm like, yo, if, because I've had somebody like discriminate discriminate against me because of like my hairstyle or something, I've always yeah. you know, like went into the room like, if you don't like me or if you don't value me, I don't want to be here. So like- You
1: don't want to be here. See, and I need more of like that.
0: You. Yeah. <laughs> but I, shit, yeah. I feel like I need more of what you have too. Like it's this- Yeah. You
1: know, that balance. balance. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
0: So- my my last question, because I know we getting like closer to the time. Um, just as somebody who you went through your 20s, like how what advice would you give to your 20-year-old version of yourself? Whether 20, 28, 27, like what would you in your 20s? What's probably like the best advice you could give? Cause I'm navigating um, my
2: Getting
0: close to the 30s, two years, but uh.
2: Okay,
1: I'm gonna say first that my advice. I'm learning. Uh, it might be subjective because of my experience growing up in Toronto. Hmm. This is something I'm learning. I um, that I think might be different with those in the, across the border in the states. So, as a Torontonian girl in her twenties, I would have said that um, you have time. You don't have to rush. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cause I feel like I was trying to rush to get out the house. I was trying to rush to get married. Actually, let me scale that back. Cause I was never asking nobody to marry me, so it wasn't that. <laughs> but like, I was definitely trying to rush to be in the right relationship. Um, my and uh, where where I I would have wanted to I sh- I look back and say I would have put more focus. I would have put more focus in my twenties on my career on my wealth building on my creating more travel experiences um, and life experiences. Um, I want to just reverse the thing. I feel like I did a lot of that more in my thirties. I, I've, I've traveled, I've built my business, I've done everything. I do feel that time is a construct because I'm already thinking like in my forties, I can do whatever I want. Like I could start a whole new career. Um, I'm in my late thirties, so I'm 38 this year. So I'm, I'm already thinking like, girl, like if you want, you can start a whole new thing. Like I could decide to be a videographer today or a photographer today. Like I've spent 10 years in a career of coaching women and things like that. Prior to that, I spent almost 10 years, you know, in my twenties, I was in, um, real estate and operations and administration and that kind of stuff. And you realize like you, you get, you can change. You can try things like, it doesn't have to be. This is the end all be all.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I think in your twenties it's hard to see past that. You think that everything you're doing—not saying you, but like—I feel like when we're in our twenties, we feel like everything we're doing has to make sense and be right right now because it's gonna set up the rest of our lives.
0: That's and it doesn't. That's you, fits. That's how I'm feeling.
1: Right. yeah, it doesn't. It don't. It won't set up shit. <laughs> I know people who got married in their twenties and then they were divorced by their mid to late thirties and they started
2: over, yeah. you know,
1: like it's like, Hey, you can take your time. I also think it's okay to flow. I think um there's this negative connotation sometimes when people say, let's just go with the flow, mm-hmm. but I think it's okay to go with the flow. I think in, in flowing, you're building up your intuition.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, You're building up your trust in your faith. Um, and you're allowing yourself, as you said, the grace and forgiveness to make mistakes.
2: Yeah.
0: No, I appreciate that. And I appreciate you giving me this time, this conversation. Again, like this is one of those like conversations I didn't know that I needed, but like I really
1: needed.
2: It. I feel like so <laughs>
1: I needed it too, man. You were just if they if they could see my mouth and drop open numerous <laughs> times when you said stuff like, oh shit, that's me right now.
0: Yeah. Yeah, no, I yeah. definitely like I was definitely felt seen, And it's just wild wow, to think of like these are a lot of these are like thoughts that i usually not necessarily keep to myself because i'm like very vocal but it's like sometimes when i say it i feel as if i'm just talking to a wall essentially because mm. a lot of people don't aren't uh, can't always relate or relate to the depth of it so being able to like have yeah. this conversation with you and you're like i felt like that uh spider-man me when he's pointing like they're pointing the same
2: thing <laughs> <laughs> <That's hilarious. laughs>
0: Um, yeah, yeah. I just want to say thank you again. I appreciate your time. And then, where can the people find you? Where can people follow you? Um, how can I uh,
2: best?
1: Yeah, best to follow me on Instagram. It's Natasha L. Helwig H E L W I G. I I'm very accessible. If people want to DM me or follow or whatever, um, they have questions. If they want help with anything, feel free to reach out. Uh, and then you can also check out just a bit more about me at my website which is natashahilllake.com
0: everybody make sure y'all go follow her check her out i will say every once in a while you look at the story it's going to drag you but it's out of love guys (laughs) um but don't worry if if you don't look at it you can look at mine and i promise i'm gonna use a lot of hers so that way we can drag you together um everybody listen i appreciate y'all for listening again um, and yeah, check us next time on Naj Marcella's interview series. Peace and love everyone.